today's gospel ends with a very famous quotation from Jesus. Repay to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and to God what belongs to God. I've heard a lot of homilies over the years with a lot of different interpretations of what Jesus meant, and I don't know. So instead, we're going to focus on the circumstances of why Jesus says what he says. This is the fourth week in a row that we've been in the fifth and final discourse, the five teaching discourses in the Gospel of Matthew. This one happens in the temple area after Palm Sunday. For the last month, we have been with Jesus in these days before his crucifixion, and we will be with him through the month of November. And he is asked today by the Pharisees a very controversial question. Should Jews pay the Roman census tax? The Pharisees were opposed to this tax, but they were scared to say it out loud. But the Pharisees don't want Jesus to agree with them. They invite a bunch of Herodians to be in the crowd as well. And the Herodians were in favor of the tax. So no matter how Jesus responded, at least half the people would be mad at him. And it leads to the question, how is the church supposed to relate to the state? It's interesting, our first reading today from Isaiah has God declaring that King Cyrus, the pagan king of Persia, is his anointed one, the servant who will accomplish his will. Our second reading today is the oldest letter of St. Paul, first thing written in the New Testament. It is the first letter of the Thessalonians. We hear the greeting, and as Paul greets the Thessalonians with wishes of grace and peace, let us pause and celebrate God's mercy. So was it right to pay the Roman census tax? It was required of everyone in the empire, including Jews. But the Pharisees were opposed. In fact, the Pharisees were opposed to most of the coins used in the Roman Empire. They bore the image of Tiberius Caesar, who at that time was worshipped as a god. Therefore, the coin itself was idolatrous in the eyes of the Pharisees. Part of the reason that there were money changers in the temple at this time was that Jews with Roman coins were expected to change them to Hebrew shekels before they were brought into the temple to pay the temple tax. In the time of Jesus, however, the Roman Empire accommodated the Jews' concerns, and so in that region they made Roman coins without the image of Tiberius on them. Jesus' brilliance in this passage is not so much what he says as what he shows. These particular Pharisees, who claim to be so pious not only brought Roman coins into the temple area, but they brought in the coins that had the idolatrous image on it. Jesus is endorsing that Jews pay the Roman tax. Even these Pharisees, with objections to the Roman occupation, used the Roman coins in their day-to-day -day living. So when Jesus says to repay to Caesar and to repay to God, he is not calling for a strict separation of church and state. In fact, I think he's trying to show that it's kind of hard to separate them. All things belong to God. However, some things do belong to the state. Now, how do we determine our responsibilities to the state? Jesus doesn't say, and there's a pretty good reason why. It's too complex for one or two sentences. 
Our responsibilities to the state depend on the issue at hand, the form of government we live under, and the consequences of our actions. Let's remember, the people who Matthew was writing to knew something that the Pharisees did not know when this conversation actually took place. The zealots of the Jewish faith who came along later were so opposed to the Roman census tax that they led an opposition, which the Romans crushed and destroyed the temple. This weekend, two couples in this parish have come forward to have their children baptized. And when I sat with Anna and Patrick and Sarah and Travis beforehand, I reviewed with them what we asked them this weekend. And I quote, You are accepting the responsibility of training your child in the practice of the faith. It will be your duty to bring him or her up to keep God's commandments as Christ taught us by loving God and our neighbor. And then we have this hilarious question we ask at the beginning of a baptism. Do you fully understand what you are undertaking? I don't even have kids, and I think it's hilarious. And I know it's Sarah and Travis's second kid, but I don't think they would say they have it all figured out. But when these parents came and brought their children for baptism, they were pledging to raise them as members of the body of Christ. They were pledging to teach June and Nathan how to appropriately pay God and to appropriately pay Caesar even when there are no hard and fast rules of how to do that. As parents, they are promising that with every decision, they will teach them to educate, to inform their consciences, and then they must prayerfully discern the choices before them, which obviously leads to the upcoming election. How would Jesus vote I think we have a few students out there that this might be your first election. So let me be the one to break it to you. Elections are complicated. It is very rare that one candidate is completely good and the other is completely bad. Most political choices are a mixed bag. And yes, I said that at the last Mass when we had a political candidate here with us. That was uncomfortable for me. You often have to hold your nose and go with the least worst choice. Nevertheless, the church is clear. We all have a responsibility to vote. Sitting out the election is not an option. And we have a responsibility to be informed. That takes work. Okay, in case you haven't been paying attention, early voting is going on now through October 30th. The election is on November 4th, so get to it. Learn about the issues and the candidates and pray mightily. This past January, I was explaining the seven main themes of Catholic social teaching to last year's RCIA inquirers. And I said, Catholic social teaching cannot be bound into neat political categories, And I love the inquirers. I think they're wonderful. But I was kind of disappointed by their reactions that day. I thought I had made it abundantly clear that the church endorses some positions that in this country we would consider to be politically conservative, others that are politically liberal. There are some positions the church takes that are downright socialist, and others are monarchist. I'm probably the only person who lives with a monarchist in this crowd. It's not Father Don, by the way. Um, despite this, some of our inquirers 
said that they thought they could just choose the positions that agreed with their family's political party of choice and ignore the rest. My family does A, but we don't really do B that the church teaches. No! Jesus continually challenged us to give all things to God, not just the things that are easy. Well, what belongs to Caesar? What belongs to the U.S. government? What belongs to the state of Tennessee? Well, that's complicated. And it calls for constant discernment on all of our parts. But let's keep in mind, just as June and Nathan were baptized into the body of Christ this weekend, all of us who are baptized have a responsibility to build up the kingdom of God in all aspects of our lives.